Welcome to the AWS Tech Chat Podcast. We are solution architects and we help customers adopt the AWS Cloud Platform. In each episode, we dive deep, demystify technology, and talk about the latest and most interesting technical developments in the world of AWS Cloud. We bring you the AWS Roundup and deep tech dives in topics of interest. All right, hello everybody. My name is Shai Paredic, and this is the episode 87 of the AWS Tech Chat Podcast. Uh, for today's show, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Sasha Bashkarada. He's our worldwide lead for the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework. Uh, and also with him is Jason Tursk. Uh, Jason is a senior practice manager with the AWS, and he leads our advisory practice uh, for the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, we're going to walk through the Cloud Adoption Framework today, or CAF for short, um, and they're going to help us dig into it really deep. Um, and so I'm really glad to have you both here. Uh, let's get started. Why don't you guys give us a quick introduction? Sure. Thanks, Shai. Hi, everyone. Super excited to be here with you today um, and to talk to you about the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework. My name is Sasha Bashkarada, and I will I lead the um, AWS CAF program uh, globally. I am based in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and I'm part of our professional services organization at AWS. Um, I've been with AWS for approximately two years, and uh, prior to joining AWS, I spent about a decade uh, at the Australian Department of Defense in various uh, science and technology roles. And prior to that, I spent about a decade in uh, academia, uh, teaching and researching software engineering, IT, information systems, uh, that sort of stuff. Jason? Jason Turris. Also, uh, really happy to be here to have, have this discussion today. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. And I, uh, as you mentioned, I lead our advisory services for the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, I'm a former U.S. Navy officer, spent most of my career with U.S. Special Operations Command in a variety of roles, ranging from operational roles to uh, formal acquisition and software delivery roles. Uh, that led to me doing software modernization, uh, again, with the Navy, uh, supporting cyber warfare and acquisition programs. And I've been with AWS now for almost two years uh, as well. Cool, Jason. Thank you for that intro. I, I, I'm. Uh, I, thank you for your service. I'm a former Navy vet myself, uh, so great to have a, another Navy vet on the show. All right, so let's start off with kind of foundations, right? We'd like to really set the stage here. So what is the cloud adoption framework? Can, can one of you guys kick us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Shai. So the AWS CAF, it's, it's really a, a mechanism for establishing a shared mental model for cloud transformation. So it provides a common terminology that customers, partners, and uh, AWS teams can use to think about cloud-powered digital business transformation. So the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework, it leverages our experiences and best practices that we've gained through thousands of customer engagements across the globe over the years uh, to help customers, as I noted, digitally transform and ultimately accelerate their business outcomes through innovative use of uh, AWS. So customers, partners, and AWS teams can use the AWS CAF to identify and prioritize transformation opportunities. Uh, secondly, to uh, evaluate and improve cloud readiness, and thirdly, to iteratively evolve transformation roadmaps over time. Cloud itself has been around for more than 15 years now. Um, I think it still presents a transformational opportunity for many organizations. Uh, that's right, Chai. So uh, McKinsey published a study uh, last year where they estimated that, that cloud may deliver more than a trillion dollars worth of value across the Fortune 500 companies by uh, 2030. So this includes more than 400 billion in modernization-related initiatives and more than 700 billion in uh, innovation-related initiatives. And under modernization, McKinsey defined anything to do with uh, migration and modernization of uh, application and infrastructure and data analytics 
platforms, as well as uh, anything to do with uh, digitizing, automating, and optimizing existing business processes across the organizations. And the 700 billion relating to innovation-related initiatives uh, applies to uh, leveraging cloud to develop new products and services, reach new customers, enter new markets, uh, and that sort of a thing. So the message is still uh, loud and clear. So cloud clearly still presents a transformational opportunity uh, for many organizations. And importantly, early adopters are likely to capture a disproportionate share of this total value. Thanks for that, Sasha. Jason, I want to I want to go to you. Given your, your your role here, can you help us really understand how you've leveraged the AWS CAF for some of your customers? Sure. Uh, you know, we've been routinely delivering CAF engagements now for a little bit over a year with DoD, and in these engagements, I often tell customers early on that the important part of these planning engagements is simply getting the right people in the room to have a critical discussion about the question, why change. So, to this end, uh, CAF provides a common language uh, and way of thinking that enables the customers to identify their stakeholders and have a focused, inclusive discussion about technology adoption, stakeholder involvement, and the accordant uh, capability development. Inclusive participation is critical to cloud adoption. It opens up a lot of opportunities for customers uh, by hearing all the voices at the table, understanding the broad set of objectives uh, that, that are, uh, must be surmounted in order to effectively procure, operate, and architect for the future of IT transformation. In practice, we introduced perspectives drawn from CAF early in professional services engagements with customers as a means to identify both the reason for change as well as have that candid discussion about who needs to be in the room. CAF, by outlining six perspectives related to capabilities, provides a lens uh, for a customer to understand the criticality of bringing in these additional stakeholders to the discussion. Uh, often these stakeholders are those that are not IT decision makers. And that's pretty important. Um, and especially for my customers in defense and public sector, it's often pretty challenging to bring in, you know, mission owners, uh, what we would call the operator, operators in some cases, or others that don't typically play a day-to-day role in IT management. Uh, those that are the critical yes-no decision makers for the IT department, but are external. We often learn with our customers that the CAF perspectives help them cut across these silos and stovepiped activities, uh, and that by using a common analytical framework, we can highlight those organizational barrier- barriers and design some plans uh, to change. An uh, actual day-to-day practice, which is probably more interesting and, and often uh, more fraught with a little bit of fog, this boils down to us doing workshops with our customers and really facilitating and leading our customers through, through these engagements uh, to build roadmaps. Uh, we offer three common workshops uh, with Department of Defense that build on CAF and support that case for change and develop a common sense of urgency. Uh, the workshops are Cloud Adoption Framework and Visioning Workshops, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit more today. That's kind of a, a cornerstone to any of these engagements. From that, we also build Cloud Adoption Framework action plans, which take it to the next step, really identifying uh, the skills needed or uh, process changes that are needed for change. And then finally, migration readiness assessments, which have been a- around for a long time at, at AWS. These all use CAF as a common start point. So in practice, we keep coming back to CAF with our advisory team and with our customers. Um, so the outcome from all these workshops tends to be to galvanize, galvanize a core group around the need for change. Uh, identifying stakeholders who need to be in the discussion and identifying those enabling capabilities uh, to really get get forward mo- motion with a customer. So, Jason, thanks thanks for that. I think you know something that really hits home with our listeners, right, is when they when they hear a, a success story, right, or, or a particular story of a customer that already went through this. Um, is there a, a customer that you can share that that's gone through the workshop and, and maybe has a success success story there? 
So we've had several go through the workshop uh, in the last about 15 months. Um, some of our Department of Defense customers are are discreet about you know being identified uh, in, in a podcast. So I'm going to be a little bit more uh, generalized in my comments uh, about who they are and what they do for a living. Uh, but we really began investing in doing uh, envisioning workshops about 15 months ago. And we've done now um, several engagements uh, with a wide range and diverse set of Armed Forces customers ranging from meteorological offices to large acquisition programs. So those are the thing, the, the program offices that are responsible for designing and buying ships, planes, uh, cyber, cyber capabilities, all those kind of operational material that you would accrue to the Department of Defense. We've done workshops with Army Infantry Divisions as well as flying squadrons. So really, really broad uh, spectrum of, of customers. Of these, you know, I'll, I'll pull out a couple of threads. So one thread that's really critical to most of these customers is the modernization of digital engineering processes uh, and really doing data-driven collaboration with industry. Uh, this has been a focus for U.S. defense acquisition uh, for the last few years and really supporting customers in the Department of Defense who are trying to transform uh, the procurement and design process around ships, airplanes, weapons uh, is pretty critical overall. In many cases, these processes are, are not sim simple procurement processes, but ones in which there might be extensive involvement from government program office in the design, test, evaluation, lifecycle sustainment of these sorts of material solutions. So CAF allows us to really break down those traditional silos. You know, these are industrial age processes that, that have very large and hardened kind of components to them. But CAF allows us to overlay perspectives allows us to talk about objectives and capabilities in a common framework that begins to identify those silos. And the first step of this is really kind of figuring out who needs to be in the room and then what the opportunities are around change. So uh, to sum it up from engagements we started over a year ago, we've actually seen our customers begin to move to the cloud for starters based on transformation plans. We're still engaged in these conversations as well. It's not one and done. We did a workshop, walked away, handed off an artifact, but rather it opens up a continuing dialogue. And that's why I've actually found probably, you know, the most invigorating part of this whole process is that we are still working under the strategies that were established about uh, 14 or 15 months ago and really beginning now to see some move movement to the cloud, taking advantage of cloud tools for analytics, for collaboration, and for kind of the next generation of material development and Department of Defense. Cool. Thank you for that, Jason. I, I think there's so much stuff to unpack in that story, right? And I think the the, the key things I really took away that I really love about the CAF is really the, the breaking down of those silos through the common frameworks and common languages. I think there's so much stuff there, but that's always been a challenge for my customers, just how to get through those silos. So, Jason, we'll give you a bit of a break there. I want to ask Sasha kind of this next question here, right? So, you know, success isn't always guaranteed, right? And, and I think, you know, we, we try to help our customers, right? But, but not everybody succeeds. So, what are some of the common blockers that we're seeing from our customers uh, in their cloud for, uh, transformation journey? Yeah, that's right, Shai. So technology is, is mature, as we all know, and technology is not really an issue. Uh, technology is not a problem, but really the the blockers that our customers experience are more around the uh, the business side of things, organizational side of things. So business transformation, organizational transformation, uh, and, and getting through that change management processes. Uh, so uh, many of our customers experience uh, various uh, challenges along their transformation journeys. And uh, here we can again defer to McKinsey and one of their papers that they released uh, also uh, last year where they identified four high-level categories of, uh, of, of challenges or, or failure modes to do with uh, cloud transformation. Uh, and as I said, we certainly see many of our customers experience, uh, experiencing challenges along uh, any of these four. 
So McKinsey talk about a, a pilot stall initially. So many organizations may uh, initiate their cloud journey, may uh, implement certain uh, pilot initiatives in, in production, but they're unable to move past that pilot stage. So that may be due to uh, their inability to, to really demonstrate value from pilots. So if, if an organization is unable to demonstrate value from pilots, they may not be able to justify further investments. They may not be able to uh, to justify additional business cases, and their uh, transformation uh, journey may just stall at that pilot stage, uh, which is unfortunate. That's why it's absolutely critical to always focus on on business outcomes and on on demonstrating value as early as possible. Uh, a second type of a failure mode. Uh, McKinsey call a, a cloud gridlock. So in those situations, organizations may actually successfully uh, move past the pilot stage and initiate a, a transformation at scale. However, they are unable to scale as quickly uh, as they would like. <clears throat> So, and that may have to do with uh, the lack of skills, uh, lack of automation, uh, perhaps their uh, governance processes are overly cumbersome for traditionally large enterprises, uh, so they're basically unable to, to transform as quickly. So in some cases, organization may, organizations may take months to migrate to modernize single applications. And if you imagine that you know many organizations have hundreds of applications, uh, we can't really afford to take to wait for years uh, until all of those have been migrated and modernized. Uh, another failure mode um, talks about unrealized benefits. So in those cases, organizations may have actually uh, migrated perhaps a large portion of their uh, IT infrastructure onto the cloud, but they're not seeing all of those benefits uh, that cloud has to offer. Uh, and again, if organizations are just using cloud as their uh, data center, if they're still behaving in the same way, just uh, lifting and shifting virtual machines and operating them <clears throat> in the same way as they did on their data center, uh, then they may not be taking uh, advantages of those more advanced functionalities that cloud has, has to offer in terms of optimization, in terms of scaling in and scaling out and those sorts of things. Uh, so so the, the, the benefits may not be there. And then finally, cloud chaos. If, if really an organization does not have an overarching framework, if leadership is not, not aligned and does not provide a, a um, unified uh, guidance and direction, then different business units, different parts of the organization may take uh, things into their own hands, may may have divergent approaches to, to cloud adoption and, and transformation, may lead to divergence in tooling and lead to all sorts of issues around uh, security, compliance, resiliency, uh, costs, and, and those sorts of things. And that's where CAF, AWS CAF comes into play, right? Uh, that's right, Jason. So by leveraging the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework, we hope that our customers uh, would not encounter those blockers in the first place, or if some of our customers had encountered some of these blockers previously, by leveraging the AWS CAF, we can help them overcome those blockers and accelerate the uh, cloud transformation journeys. Cool. So, so I think we recently released uh, version three of the CAF, right? What was the motivation for that update and what's different in version three? Uh, that's right. So AWS CAF has been around for uh, quite a while. So version one was released all the way back in uh, 2014 at reInvent. Uh, and then we had a major update in uh, 2017 with version two. Uh, since version one, we've had the idea of, of perspectives. Uh, in version two, we uh, introduced the, uh, the concept of capabilities. And then version three really broadens the scope of the AWS CAF from uh, cloud adoption to to uplift the conversation to, to cloud-powered digital business transformation. Uh, version 3 also updates and expands uh, the underpinning capabilities uh, from 31 that we had in version 2 uh, to now 47 capabilities that we have in version 3. Um, we worked with uh, hundreds of uh, 
AWS subject matter experts uh, last year uh, to make the update uh, and to incorporate the most recent and most relevant lessons that we've learned from our customer engagements. All right, cool. Thank you for that, Sasha. So we, we, we talked about the, the CAF there, right? And for listeners maybe that haven't used the CAF before, right? Maybe they just gained the first uh, taste of the CAF in this session. Um, how would you suggest customers use the database CAF? Yeah, so the, the AWS CAF recommends four iterative and incremental cloud transformation phases, namely Envision, Align, Launch, and uh, Scale. So Envision focuses on identifying and prioritizing transformation opportunities that are aligned with organizational strategic objectives. Uh, associating transformation initiatives with uh, key stakeholders, that is to say uh, senior individuals who are capable of influencing and driving change in the organization and measurable uh, business outcomes uh, helps demonstrate value early uh, as an organization progresses through the transformation journey. So as we noted earlier, uh, you know, in pilot stall, if an organization is unable to demonstrate an early value, the organization may get stuck there during the pilot phase. So envisioning is really focused on identifying those business outcomes that we're trying to achieve and uh, specific metrics so that we can measure uh, any realized value. Uh, the next phase align focuses then on identifying uh, capability gaps and uh, cross-organizational dependencies. Uh, so doing so can help organizations uh, create strategies for improving their cloud readiness, uh, as well as ensure stakeholder alignment and facilitate relevant organizational change management uh, activities. Uh, the next phase is uh, launch which then focuses on delivering those pilots in production and demonstrating incremental business value. Uh, pilots should be uh, highly impactful, and when they're successful, they're likely to influence uh, future direction. And learning from pilots helps organizations adjust their approach before they scale to full production. Uh, and then the final stage is, is scale, where the organization focuses on, on ex expanding those pilots uh, and business value to the desired scale across the organization and ensuring that the business benefits associated with the cloud transformation uh, investments are realized and sustained. Uh, and it's important to know that this is uh, an iterative uh, and incremental approach. So it's not a linear and waterfall approach. So we uh, recommend and suggest to our, to our customers to iterate quickly across these phases so that they can quickly learn from experience uh, and rapidly evolve their uh, transformation roadmaps. Yeah, good stuff there. So I think iteration is key there, right? Iterate through the, the stage. I love how you finished off there. All right. So what, you know, when we went virtual, right, what has changed uh, with the mindset since going virtual when you, when you think about delivering the uh, CAF workshop? So I think the, the major uh, components of the CAF workshops have largely remained the same, but uh, being virtual through most of the pandemic has challenged us to be creative about how we actually create an inclusive uh, environment that engenders uh, discussion, collaboration. Um, yeah, as we've probably all experienced, virtual mediums allow us to reach customers wherever they might work, uh, but they also present practical issues in terms of just stovepiping discussion, uh, creating very one-way discussions in many cases. It's simply difficult to read body language uh, and engagement. So to overcome that, uh, we really have to be just thoughtful about how we moderate discussion. We have to present things like polls or, or use interactive mediums that are fully digital. Um, Recently, we put a lot of effort on uh, some of my colleagues, and frankly, it wasn't me, so I've got to give credit to where credit is due. We focus on development of uh, virtual tools like Miro and Bluescape and using common templates in order to facilitate uh, interactive dialogue with, with our customers. We've learned uh, that those are very, very effective, even to the point that now 
Uh, over the last six months, it's been more common for us to be on-site with customers. Even now, we're beginning to use Miro and Bluescape in person with customers. So using digital screens in order to facilitate discussion uh, mixed with whiteboards if we have them or glass walls. And, and that way, we're actually allowed to bring people into a, a virtual medium for dialogue, but still within the room, occasionally with somebody who might be virtual. So uh, overall, I think it's actually leveled up our game quite a bit um, and really gotten to the intent of creating a very candid, collaborative, inclusive discussion uh, that really gets the to the heart of the matter about why change uh, and who needs to be in the room and what capabilities are we going to align to that. Awesome. I, I love how the, the customer experience is still very obvious in our in our delivery, right? And make sure that the customer has a great experience and it's a very interactive and, uh, experience there. So great stuff, Jason. Thank you. Uh, what, in your opinion, is really the key to success, though, when, when you run a workshop? Key to success is always always starting with a customer, um, right? Yep. So to, to your point there, <laughs> key ingredient is always a customer who's, who's ready for this discussion, for a candid dialogue, who's ready for change, ready to include people in that change. Uh, you know, a fault line we, we sometimes fall into is we start talking to a customer where some of those ingredients aren't there. They haven't done some of the pre-work. So to that end, I personally try and spend more time with customers, uh, their account teams, their solutions architects, to help really prepare the customer to have a discussion that's open, frank, uh, honest, uh, that really kind of is ready to identify some problems together. Um, and so I think the key ingredient is really having a good uh, prepared customer that understands why we're, we're presenting CAF, what that brings to the table, and who's also you know set an environment uh, for that that uh, that dialogue. Um, in short, the more that we we can create an environment to develop a compelling need and a common vision for change and include yes, no team members, the more likely we'll be successful. So let's talk a bit more about envisioning there. What's the process and what does the ABS CAF recommend? Sasha, you want to take that one? Yeah, sure, I can do that, Shai. Uh, so the AWS CAF uh, recommends working backwards from, from business outcomes. I mean, that's absolutely critical. Uh, as we said earlier, it should not be a technology-led transformation. It should be uh, all about business-led transformation. So working backwards from the business outcomes, uh, the AWS Cloud Adoption Frameworks, uh, Framework identifies four uh, high-level categories of those business outcomes. Uh, so... One of those is reducing business risks. So just by adopting cloud, organizations may uh, lower their risk profile through improved reliability uh, in business continuity, through increased performance and enhanced security, for example. Um, a key business outcome or a category of business outcomes that we've introduced in uh, version three of the uh, AWS CAF is improving ESG performance or environmental, social and corporate governance performance. Uh, that is something that our customers have been increasing asking us to help them with over the last several years, uh, particularly uh, financial services organizations, but otherwise as well. Uh, so, uh, and, that, and that really is a, uh, it's particularly applicable to public sector organizations, including defense and the like, where perhaps financial outcomes are, are not a priority. So that social aspect uh, for public sector organizations in terms of uh, improving citizens' lives or improving uh, access to, to government services and those sorts of things uh, is absolutely critical. Uh, in terms of the, the environmental uh, in the ESG, uh, uh, just simply by uh, by moving to the cloud from on-premises environments, organizations may improve their carbon footprints and their environmental impact. So research shows that 
AWS's infrastructure is uh, 3.6 times more energy efficient than the uh, median of US enterprise data centers surveyed, for example. Uh, and then finally, uh, corporate governance within the ESG uh, by leveraging insights uh, to, we can leverage insights to, to improve corporate transparency through data and analytics. Um, another key um, category of business outcomes is, which is critical to many uh, commercial organizations, of course, is creating new revenue streams. And as we talked earlier, McKinsey identified those uh, 700 plus billion of potential value that cloud may deliver over the next decade through innovation. So really uh, creating those new revenue streams is critical uh, by creating new products and services, reaching new customers and uh, entering new markets. Uh, and the fourth high level uh, category of business outcomes that the AWS CAF recommends is uh, increasing operational efficiencies. Uh, so this is all about uh, reducing operating costs, increasing productivity and uh, improving employee and uh, customer experience. So clearly these are four high level categories of business outcomes, but then as we progress through uh, these workshops with the customers and, and through the phases. These need to be unpacked further uh, for each customer and for each organization on a case-by-case -case basis. All right. So, Jason, I'm, I'm curious, right? How did these translate for your customers who are public sector defense? Yeah, as uh, Sasha alluded to, we actually find that uh, customers in public sector typically have similar outcomes as what we term business outcomes. But we do reframe the conversation, uh, particularly with defense, around their organization's mission, role, and function. This helps translate the context of business outcomes to, to mission accomplishment and attainment of, of goals for military organizations. Uh, that's a, a reducing risk, uh, improving governance, creating new capabilities, and improving operational efficiency all have allegories in, in defense uh, that we can find, and that allow us to use CAF effectively. In concrete uh, terms, um, you know, for those that are interested in what are we doing with defense, this would translate to improving cybersecurity for Department of Defense networks, reducing reliance on legacy infrastructure uh, to include legacy IT infrastructure, but also legacy physical infrastructure, uh, and figuring out new ways to leverage analytics uh, to improve use of infrastructure. Uh, we outright work on creating new capabilities for warfighters and civil servants uh, that extend uh, a very wide range of mission-related uh, functions uh, to, uh, to the defense domain. Uh, large funded acquisition programs also traditionally focus on cost, performance, and schedule and the delivery of their capabilities. So we certainly find our customers using cloud to improve the timeline or schedule of delivery of software-based capabilities to, to platforms such as ships, airplanes, uh, command posts, and directly to service members who are engaged in operational missions. Uh, we see consistent interest in using cloud-based analytics for improvements across the board, especially industry collaboration, as well as logistics and sustainment. Um, yeah, thank you for that, Jason. And uh, Shai, in terms of the, the envisioning process and the way that the uh, cloud adoption framework works or the phases that it recommends. So we've talked about identifying those uh, high-level business outcomes and, and starting from those, right, and getting a consensus within the organization on what really matters to them, what are the most critical business outcomes and prioritizing those, and of course, unpacking them further for, for the specific case. Uh, but that is not all. So then the next step is really thinking about, so how do we help those organizations accelerate those business outcomes, what do we do? And that's where a transformation comes into play. So transformation is meaningful organizational change, right? So we need to change something within the organization in order to help accelerate those, uh, those business outcomes. 
And the cloud adoption framework uh, also identifies four high-level uh, transformation domains uh, that we may wish to focus on in order to uh, accelerate those business outcomes. So the, uh, the four uh, high-level uh, transformation domains include, uh, firstly, technology transformation. So organizations may focus on transforming their technology, migrating, modernizing their uh, legacy uh, infrastructure and applications, data analytics platforms, uh, and the like. That's something that we've done for a long time, of course. And uh, cloud value benchmarking shows that, for example, that just migrating from on-premises to AWS leads to a 27% reduction in cost per user, 58% uh, increase in virtual machines managed per admin, and 57% decrease uh, in downtime, as well as a 34% decrease in security events. Uh, so obviously, transforming technology on the cloud is, is very well understood. <clears throat> but that is not all. So then the, the second uh, transformation domain that the uh, AWS CAF identifies is, uh, is process transformation, which focuses on digitizing, automating, and optimizing business operations outside of the IT shop. So this may include leveraging new data analytics platforms to create uh, actionable insights or using machine learning to improve uh, things like customer service experience, employee productivity and decision-making, uh, business forecasting, fraud detection and pre prevention, uh, industrial operations, and uh, so on. So doing so may help organizations improve operational efficiency and productivity uh, while lowering operating costs and uh, improving employee and uh, customer experience. Um, and then a third uh, transformation domain, which is also absolutely critical, and we kind of alluded to it earlier in some of those failure modes when we said organizations may, uh, may stall in their journey or may not uh, benefit, uh, may not realize all the benefits benefits from cloud adoption uh, that they could is uh, organizational transformation. So uh, that focuses on reimagining the organizational operating model. Uh, that is to say how uh, business and technology teams uh, orchestrate their efforts to, to create customer value that meets the strategic intent of the organization. So organizing teams around products and value streams uh, while leveraging agile methods to rapidly iterate and evolve uh, can help organizations become more responsive and more customer-centric. Uh, and then finally, um, the, the, final, the fourth uh, uh, transformation domain that the AWS CAF identifies is uh, product transformation. So that focuses on reimagining re the business model uh, by creating new value propositions, that is to say products and services, uh, as well as new revenue models. So doing so may help organizations reach new customers and enter new, uh, new markets and, and, and grow their revenue, of course. Uh, cloud value benchmarking now also shows that adopting AWS leads to a 37% reduction in time to market for new features and applications, 342% increase in code deployment uh, frequency, and 38% reduction in the time to deploy uh, new code. So to kind of build on that, we, we certainly see parallels in practice with public sector and defense. Uh, to the, the four transformation uh, domains and initiatives. Uh, the domains themselves are really useful ways in which to think about how to undertake transformation. And in practice, they're cross-functional. Uh, for instance, uh, most customers want to do multiple kind of components of transformation. And we have customers that seek to leverage cloud in defense to improve software-based service delivery, targeting goals related to uh, improve resilience and cost. However, I think we've all lived this. Uh, cloud adoption actually necessitates, almost always necessitates revisiting the operating model and uh, organizational transformation uh, along the way, particularly around procurement and operations. Uh, with DoD components doing migrations, we often start the conversation 
around specific transformation outcomes, but through the use of the CAF workshop and things like migration readiness assessments, help customers actually inventory across all these transformation domains and the cloud adoption framework perspectives and decide to invest in changes that affect each of the domains. Um, thanks, Jason. And of course, identifying and associating key stakeholders and metrics with uh, each business outcome is, is critical so that we can later evaluate the effectiveness of the associated uh, pilot transformation initiatives, as we noted. Um, AWS and, and many of our partners offer uh, AWS CAF envisioning workshops that are facilitated by subject matter experts uh, and during which we help customers produce, uh, produce an envisioning scenario, which is a uh, benefit dependency network that visually connects those business goals and outcomes to enabling technologies, identifies key measures and helps customers uh, prioritize their uh, cloud transformation initiatives. Uh, so Jason, why don't you continue here and take us into what's next uh, after envisioning? Happy to. The, the next step really is to help customers identify their capability gaps and cross-organizational dependencies. Cloud-powered digital business transformation is enabled by a set of foundational capabilities. A capability is the organizational ability to leverage process and to deploy resources, so people, technology, and any other tangible or intangible assets to achieve a particular outcome. The AWS CAF identifies 47 foundational capabilities that underpin successful cloud formation transformations. Now, these provide best practice guidance that helps customers improve their cloud readiness, uh, particularly their ability to effectively leverage cloud to digitally transform. Form. AWS CAF groups these capabilities into six perspectives, uh, business, people, governance, platform, security, and operations. Each perspective comprise a set of capabilities that functionally relate stakeholders, uh, functionally related stakeholders own or manage in their cloud transformation journey. Uh, great stuff, Jason. Thank you very much for, for going into that. <clears throat> Let's take a, a moment and break out those perspectives for our listeners, though. Um, I'll start off and I'll take the uh, the people perspective because that's one of my favorites. Um, so the people perspective serves as a bridge between technology um, and the business. It accelerates the cloud journey to help organizations uh, more rapidly evolve into a culture of continuous growth, right? Learning and, and uh, or change becomes a business as normal uh, with a focus on culture and organizational structure, right? Leadership and workforce changes as well. Uh, common stakeholders we find in this stage are really the CIO, the CEO, and the, the CTO. There's also the cross, uh, maybe the cloud director, uh, maybe there's a cross-functional director, um, and also enterprise-wide leaders. Um, Jason, want to keep us going there? Yes, uh, thanks for taking that one, Shai. Let's go over the <laughs> let's go over the other five. Um, so the business perspective uh, helps ensure that your cloud investments really accelerate your digital transformation ambitions and business outcomes. Common stakeholders that we typically see in, in this context or in this perspective are the chief executive officer, uh, chief financial officer, chief operations officer, chief information officer, chief technology officer. That's a lot of chiefs. Uh, in public sector, we 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 also you know, we tend to uh, work with major program managers that have the burden of cost performance and schedule and programs or senior senior military leaders who are not IT leaders, but responsible for a mission outcome. Those have equivalents as well for their leads for finance, resource management, uh, as well as the, the J6 or chief information officer or that audience as well that's integral to making those business decisions. Uh, and the next perspective is, is governance. Uh, the governance perspective really helps you orchestrate your cloud initiatives while maximizing organizational benefits and minimizing the transformation-related risks. Uh, common stakeholders in this, in this perspective include the chief transformation officer. Again, uh, we see the CFOs 
chief data officers and chief risk officers, they're really uh, they're uh, providing a, a governance uh, construct uh, around the organization. They may be the ones that are most responsible for audit um, or for maintaining some sort of regulatory compliance regime. Um, so that's often what we, we mean when we say the governance perspective. Increasingly, this is where we see more influence of ESG as well, uh, to Sasha's point. Uh, we certainly see customers that are taking advantage of, of CAF to really identify uh, governance through that that newer, slightly newer construct than just regulatory governance. Uh, a third perspective is the platform perspective. Uh, this is really where we start getting down to a little bit more technical detail. This is where we were thinking about what would traditionally often be enterprise architects uh, who are focused on building an enterprise grade, scalable, hybrid cloud platforms in some cases, uh, who are looking to modernize existing workloads and implement new cloud native solutions. And here we see common stakeholders that include the CTO, technology leaders, architects, engineers, and I'll even dare say developers um, that we talk to at this point when we're talking about platform um, often. The security perspective uh, is, is uh, the fourth perspective um, that we generally talk about. Uh, security in this, in this lens is really about uh, a perspective that focuses on the confidential, confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data and cloud workloads. So in some cases, we see some overlap with governance and platform here frequently. Common stakeholders include uh, the chief information security officer, chief compliance officer, internal audit leaders, and security architects and engineers. Uh, I'll add, you know, we also at this point tend to deal directly with leaders of security operations, uh, especially in DOD. We're, we're often working with both um, an office like the CISO that may have a regulatory or compliance view, as well as the operations view uh, that's really represented more from a security operations perspective. Which brings us to the last one, the operations perspective. But these are operations uh, are really uh, from the, the, the focus of infrastructure and operations leaders, site reliability engineers, and information technology service managers, uh, those folks that are really responsible for that last mile uh, delivery of software-based capability. Uh, bringing them fully into to this is, is pretty critical uh, throughout the entire process. Awesome. Well, thank you both. So, so we learned what was in the CAF, right? Well, let's talk a little bit about implementation. Um, Sasha, can you tell us what a, a customer, uh, what if a customer can do it on their own? What's their options? Yeah, thanks, Shai. <clears throat> well, similar to the uh, envisioning workshop, also with the uh, alignment workshop, uh, AWS, some of our partners offer uh, those alignment workshops that are facilitated by uh, subject matter experts and are generally conducted within two weeks of the envisioning workshop. So during AWS CAF alignment workshops, we work with our customers to help them produce an executable action plan uh, that helps them mature their foundational capabilities and improve their cloud readiness, depending on where they may have any gaps across any of these six perspectives. Uh, the next steps are then to uh, really launch, launch pilots uh, in production and scale more broadly across the organization when proven successful. And this is certainly where AWS professional services, as well as uh, uh, many of our partners, can assist our customers. Cool. Thank you for that. So listeners, this is similar to what we've said before, right? You can implement on your own. You, you can uh, look to our partners and professional services for help, right? But there's always uh, resources there available to help you out. All right. Um, let's go over one last one here, right, before we get to the call of action. Um, Jason, I want to turn it over to you, right? Because you've, you've worked with a lot of DoD customers and other ones, right? And what are some of the uh, mistakes maybe that you've seen uh, when it comes to uh, planning or conducting some of the workshops? Can you share that with us? Sure, uh, absolutely. And I'll just confess, I've made a few mistakes. Um, so um, 
some of these are just based on observations though. And so the first one is really how we think about, about the workshop, right? Uh, despite us using the term workshop uh, at Amazon, we really like to think long-term on behalf of the customer. And so one of the trap that we will fall into as facilitators is maybe thinking too much of these as workshops. So with our advisory practice team members, I really try and reinforce the concept of thinking long-term. As a result, the workshops is, are really intended to build a vision together to facilitate that interaction and develop that relationship whereby we have a strategic, collaborative, uh, long-term relationship that advances the customer's objectives. So I prioritize building uh, the, on the workshops as an effective means of strategic execution with the customer uh, over the concept of, quote, delivering a workshop. Uh, I'm personally still engaged with customers that I did workshops with a year ago and have recurring strategic dialogue. So I think having the right mindset uh, that we're going to think long term on behalf of the customers and be customer obsessed uh, from the get go is really quite important. Uh, second, uh, on the on a kind of more pra pragmatic day to day level. Uh, for partners and our professional services members or even customers that want to uh, use a workshop format or use a CAF, uh, well, there's, there is such thing as too much preparation. I think it's important to prepare and really study and show customer obsession through being curious and invested in the customer by reviewing data, reviewing things like press releases. I know with large DoD programs, I'll, I'll take a look at congressional testimony, for instance. What are they talking about with respect to their program's goals and ambitions and challenges? Uh, I'll also take a look at any other official documentation that's been released to the public to get a better sense of the same areas. And that work should be done before the workshop. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, come to come to the workshop with a, a prejudged kind of outcome, but it's really, to me, critical to really take the time to study because the workshop is really um, best. Again, the best ingredient is really an informed customer who's there willing to change, uh, who has already kind of identified some of their challenges and goals. And it's best if we meet them there as well. Excellent, Jason. And to build on what uh, Jason said as well, so finally, <clears throat> preparation should be followed by coming to the workshop with an open mind and open-ended questions, uh, seeking to listen, to learn, and to be curious. So this sounds simple, but as Amazonians, we often come to customers believing that we have an authoritative view, but uh, AWS uh, Cloud Adoption Framework-related workshops are really a chance for uh, our customers to develop a vision, to create a consensus for change, and develop connections within uh, with other colleagues and stakeholders within the organization. So we often find that certainly when we get... <clears throat> representatives from across all of those six perspectives that we've discussed into the same room together into a workshop we often find that you know they don't necessarily talk to each other on a day-to-day -day basis so just bringing them all into a room uh, and, uh, and and getting them through through the workshop through the facilitated workshop uh, getting them aligned on what the objectives are and perhaps some of the issues and opportunities uh, uh, brings a lot of value to to their customer uh, organization um, and all of this really requires just being curious or being conscious of uh, when to step back, ask questions, and uh, facilitate connections. Awesome stuff there. I, I love the, uh, the the consensus for change. That's so important there, and and really, it's awesome that we can help customers through that. All right, so all right, listeners, we've we've nearly reached the end here. And if you've listened to the last few episodes, you know I like to close off with a call to action. Uh, Sasha, Jason, what are some guidance you have for our listeners who want to become more familiar with the CAF? So um, let's start out by reading the new AWS CAF ebook. That's the CAF version 3.0. Um, it's actually available in multiple, multiple formats. I'd also recommend just reaching out to your AWS account team, as well as your professional services advisory team. Uh, advisory is generally 
the group of folks that, that um, stick pretty close to CAF. Uh, we, we use it as a common medium throughout. And so we're there to support your cloud adoption. And of course, the, the cloud adoption framework is also available in 20 languages, not just English. So if English is not your first language, or if you would like to share it with some of our international colleagues, we do have it translated in, in 20 languages as well. Awesome. You're clearly, clearly an, an important document there and something worthwhile to go through. So please take the time to do that. All right, let's, uh, let's close the show out. A lot of good stuff there. I think we, we wrapped up and let's, uh, let's close it up here. So we started off, I think, in the beginning, we really talked about the potential value of the cloud, uh, cloud transformation. Uh, right, and the value that it can really bring to the organization. Uh, we talked through some of the key challenges. You guys both highlighted those, uh, right? Uh, uh, things that the organization can face uh, along that journey, right? And how the uh, AWS CAF really helps them overcome some of those challenges. Uh, that's right. And then we talked about uh, the key components of the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework, including the four categories of business outcomes, uh, the four transformation domains, the six perspectives, and we mentioned the 47 foundational capabilities, as well as the four in uh, incremental and iterative uh, transformation phases. And finally, we talked about the AWS CAF envisioning and alignment workshops and how they can be leveraged to identify and prioritize transformation opportunities assess organizational cloud readiness and help evolve a transformation roadmap. Awesome stuff. All right. So thank you both for joining the show. Um, listeners, if you want to dig deeper into the cloud adoption framework in a follow-up show, drop us a line. Uh, please share any comments or suggestions that you might have for future episodes. Uh, Sasha, Jason, it's been a great and awesome show. Thank you both for putting all this content together. Um, the CAF has been one of my favorite things uh, that really got me excited about coming to AWS. And I think our listeners got a taste um, and they might get even excited here too. Uh, we greatly appreciate both of you coming on, really helping us dig into the CAF, really break it down for our listeners. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap up? No, I'm good. Thank you. Really appreciated the opportunity. It's been fun. Thank you, Sasha. Jason? Uh, thank you very much. This is actually one of the few times that Sasha and I can be on the same time frame as each other. Uh, so really appreciate working this out and being able to discuss this today. Awesome. Well, thank you both and take care. Signing off, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, and tune in again to learn about AWS Cloud. Please subscribe to the AWS Tech Chat by visiting awstechchat.com.